Hello friends, hope you have been doing well. I have been rather busy. Work has been busier than normal for me. Well, I don't know normal. I guess it's been normal amount of busy. I don't Ugh, okay, I probably should just start over. Hi friends, how are you? I have no out I have no idea how to open this. We're just gonna we're just gonna plow through the cringe, just accept that, that happened. So I really enjoyed going through quotes by Margaret Mead, and I want to continue to do that with another author that I've been currently reading, and that is Lao Tzu. Lao Tzu is the writer of the Tao Te Ching, and he most famously referenced things like non-action, the doing of non-doing, and the concept of being like water. And so I'm going to be going through some quotes. I'm actually going to be using this app called Goodreads. No, Brainy Quote. Sorry, called Brainy Quote. Um, just to pull up some quotes by Lao Tzu. So if some of the translations I'm using don't match with what you have, don't stress, don't worry. But definitely feel free to reach out to me and let me know. I'm on Instagram at Mr. Underscore Maxwell 16. Uh, the same name on TikTok. Feel free to look me up and send me a DM. I have been reading excerpts from the Tao Te Ching like, and on TikTok and sharing thoughts with individual ones. But as I mentioned before on TikTok, you only have three minutes and I wanted to have a little bit more time to go through my thoughts and to go through more than one quote. So like with Margaret Mead, I'm probably going to be doing more than one episode Probably no more than three, since that seemed to work out really well last time. Okay, so the first one we're going to look at is one that I feel like we all have heard, and I'm actually a little skeptical as to whether or not this one actually is from Lao Tzu, but it is the quote that a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. And I believe at this point it's a t-shirt, it's a bumper sticker, right? It's become such a pithy saying that it's far too common. But I do believe that that quote has merit because it is true that no matter how great an undertaking, it does begin with that first step. Even the people that are doing brain surgery or are high-level Olympic athletes, they all had to start at the very beginning. It reminds me of, I wish I could remember the exact story for you, but it was a philosopher who was a philosopher or maybe it was a, or a mathematician who was teaching a, a great ruler. I, I believe it was a pharaoh. And the leader was frustrated because he didn't want to study the basics like everyone else. He was like, this is a very common way for me to learn. And that philosopher teacher's response was, there are no royal roads you know, to mastery. And that's true. Just because you are someone famous or amazing, you still have to start at the beginning like everyone else. Now, you might transcend the basics, right? That's the hope. But we all start at the beginning. You know, all of us were born helpless babies, unable to speak or walk. And often, when we think about great things we want to achieve, whether it's 
trips to exotic locations or whether it's maybe getting an advanced degree, changing our careers, learning a new hobby or skill, we often get so fixated on the length that the journey requires or we look at the end result and we can't see how we could possibly get there that we never take that first step. And I believe there are so many contributions to academia, to science, to the arts, and to athletics. There are so many contributions that we are all going without because there are individuals who are not willing or too intimidated by the entire process to ever take that first step. So, for example, I'm doing this podcast and it took me a while to really, I thought of the idea to do a podcast years ago. And every time I found an excuse, well, sometimes it was my health situations, but I let the idea of the whole process keep me from ever getting started. You know, because you see the professional podcasters with their hundred plus dollar microphones and they're remixing everything on their computer before they publish it. And it's so complicated, so many steps when in reality you can download the Anchor app like I'm using and you can get started. And that's what I'm doing. And I may never go anywhere with this podcast, but the point is that I have done it. I've taken the step and I will see if it is worth the work. For example, I self-published two books, one on my own and one with a friend, and it was a lot of work. And I realized I do not have what it takes to be a self-published author consistently. If I ever do write another book, and I want to, I've, I have a couple of projects that I've picked away at here and there, but I've recognized that being an author is at the moment more work than I'm willing or able to give it. I've realized I need to be in a position where I have hours of unstructured time a day to consistently work on something like that. For me, writing a book is not really something I can do in 10 to 15 minute snatches here or there. It's just how my brain works. And so, again, by taking those first steps, I was able to learn if this was something that I truly wanted to do. Just like I started substitute teaching before I you know, taking educational classes before I obviously went all the way to getting my, getting both my degrees in education. And again, taking those first steps enabled me to see, yes, I do like doing the work that it takes to teach and to educate. So again, I would say whatever it is that you have in mind that you want to be doing, just start with those first steps, however humble and simple and boring they are. And you will learn in those first steps, if you're really ready to go, the next 990,000. All right, so let's move on to the next quote, and it is this. Nature does not hurry, yet everything is accomplished. Nature does not hurry, yet everything is accomplished. And I definitely can see this one, understand it, and like it, agree with it, whatever I'm supposed to be saying. (laughs) But, I mean, if you look at trees, and they do not hurry in their growth, it is a slow process. And yet, when grown, trees are rooted and strong. 
And some things in nature do happen quickly. Lightning moves very fast, right? But it does take time for the conditions for a storm to arise. And the seasons turn at their own pace. Sometimes spring begins, quote-unquote, early or late. Same with fall, winter, and summer. And yet they go in their cycles, consistently, always moving, never in a rush, but never dawdling, always moving at their own pace. And I think that even looking back to that first quote, we're talking about how the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. I believe that this is something to keep in mind, especially when you're in that midway point in the journey or even in the first quarter. For example, myself as an educator, I believe I am still in the first quarter of my journey. I don't even know if I'm at the halfway point yet. And I am often anxious for what I want to have happen next. I'm anxious about the next step in my career. And I am realizing that I I cannot hurry or force that next step or opportunity to arrive in my career or in my life. I simply have to focus on what I can move in front of me now, focus on the work ahead of me now, learn and expand my mind whenever I can, and prepare for that next opportunity, but at the same time, be patient for it, knowing that it will arrive when it is ready. Just like how a tree sometimes might not look like it is growing, but that is because its roots are extending and expanding and deepening in preparation for, for lack of a better way to put it, outward growth. And oftentimes the inner growth takes longer than the outer growth does. But the inner growth is not fancy. It's not sexy. You don't see somebody who is growing internally and think, oh, wow, Look at all, I can see all the results of the work they're doing. Maybe it's exercise. I have been trying <laughs> to get back in shape lately. And there are no external results. My waist is the same size as it is. The fat's still where it is. The weight's still where it is. But I have noticed that my energy levels have improved. And I do feel stronger. So I am getting results but they're not visible results. And so that's where that patience and not hurrying, but letting nature take its own time, knowing that everything will be accomplished in due season. All right, moving on to the third quote. Being deeply loved by someone gives you strength while loving someone deeply gives you courage. Being deeply loved by someone gives you strength, while loving someone deeply gives you courage. I don't know how I feel about this one. Um, I don't know that I've necessarily always felt strength come from being loved by someone, but that might ring true for other people. I think it depends on your life situation and the circumstances that you find yourself in. I will say that the loving someone deeply, giving courage, I do resonate with that one because I have pushed myself farther for the sake of my loved ones than I probably ever would have pushed myself just for me. 
There have been several work situations, for example, that I probably would have given up on if I was just taking care of me. But because I do have my family relying on me, and as a teacher, I do have my students and community relying on me, I am more willing to push myself farther, to take more risks, not for me and for what I want, but in order to provide, to serve, and to be the person that I want to be for those that I care for and care about. So those are kind of my thoughts on there. Not, not a lot, honestly. Um, that, that's what I'm still kind of chewing on. You know, what does it mean to be deeply loved by someone? Is that a, do you have to know I mean, I guess you do in order for it to give you strength. You have to be aware of that love. So is it being deeply loved or is it feeling like you are deeply loved or is it being deeply loved in a way that is meaningful to you? So you see, there's a little bit of ambiguity in this statement and that you can be deeply loved by someone and not feel loved at all. But that person might think that they are loving you and are demonstrating that love or assuming that you know that they love you. And so that's probably why I wrestle with that, because I've had people in my life who would argue later on that they did love me and care a lot about me, but I personally never felt loved and cared for. And I have also been, it's been the reverse, where I thought that person knew that I loved them and cared about them, but I was not loving them and caring about them in a way that was meaningful to them. So they never did receive comfort or strength from my presence because I was not demonstrating it in a way that was meaningful to them. So anyway, so those are kind of my thoughts on that one. And I think this is the fourth quote. So let's do five. And then we'll stop for today. All right. So number four, mastering others is strength. Mastering yourself is true power. Mastering others is strength. Mastering yourself is true power. It is easier to control other people because you can do so by being manipulative. You can do so through fear, offering rewards. Sometimes you can trick people into doing what you want, coerce them, browbeat them, or the honest way, motivate and inspire. But when it comes to yourself, it is so much harder, isn't it? Because you can counteract all of your own methods. You can offer a reward, but you could also just take the reward anyway. It's within your power. You could present fears, but sometimes you, you know that it's just a trick. How many of us have gone on a diet or attempted to make a positive change in our life only to sabotage our own efforts because of our, own la our lack of willpower or a desire for comfort? or just an unwillingness to go to do the work. So it really is so much harder to discipline and master ourselves, our bodies, our minds, than it is to master the body and minds of others. 
And that's a scary truth, to be honest with you. Because you think about people that operate in positions of great power, and they do wield great strength over others. But when we don't see that same mastery and self-control of themselves... I don't know, it can be a scary thing because that person could do whatever they wanted to with that power because they have control of others. But without that control of themselves, that discipline of themselves, then they can end up wreaking great havoc. I think about the story of King David in the Bible and the fallout of his murder of Uriah was it Uriah? I think it was. But he took Bathsheba, this other dude's wife, got the guy murdered so he could have her. And the fallout from that was war never left his home. And he was a great leader. He had control and mastery of others, but not of himself. And we think about religious leaders today who lead great, who've led great followings And then some scandal comes out where their lack of self-mastery is revealed and it can destroy their ministry. We've seen this with actors, with business leaders, with congressmen and women who are in positions of power, control of others, and yet their own lack of self-mastery can destroy their career and ruin the lives of those around them. So it's a very scary one. It's one that I try to think of myself because I, as a teacher, am in charge of students I'm in charge of. And so I must constantly work on mastering myself so that I can always be the role model that I'm supposed to be. And I am not perfect at all. And I would not say that I've mastered myself yet. But that is the goal. That is the desire Because as my own influence grows, I need to make sure that it is matched, if not exceeded, by my mastery and influence over my own mind and heart. All right. Last one. If you do not change direction, you may end up where you are heading. If you do not change direction you may end up where you are heading. This one almost feels like a little bit of a joke in a way, almost uh, humorous. I'm sure that's not how he meant it. I don't know how he meant it. But it's kind of an obvious statement, right? You know, if you don't change your direction, you're going to end up where you're going, obviously. But I think that that's a a quick, uh, it's a warning, sorry, words are failing me. It is a warning and encouragement to take a look at what direction are we actually headed in. Because sometimes we're so focused on the obstacles directly in front of us that we are not aware of what path we are on or what path we may not be on or perhaps we're not on a path at all. And in the day-to-day life, the in, the hours, the minutes of living that we are focused on, it, it, it can be very hard to see the big picture of where am I heading, where am I going to be in five years if I continue on this path? Where will it take me in five years? And I think about this in my health because there was a moment 
actually more than one moment in my 20s where I was warned that I had high blood pressure and where I would have these mysterious illnesses. They happened about once a year where I could barely function. If I tried to move, I'd get vertigo and throw up. Looking back, I have a better understanding of what was happening. I would go to the doctor. The doctor would say, I don't think there's anything really wrong with you. I can't see any problems. And I just feel, I feel awful. And I never pushed it. And then during one visit, they did do an EKG. And they did tell me that, you know, there is some slight enlargement in my heart. And I never went back for testing. Never did anything about it. And... So that would have been 2009. So about six or seven years later, I had a complete crisis, a a total health crisis in my life. And I spent the last five and a half years battling this. And it's been very real. And I wonder if I had paid attention to where I was heading with my health, would I have, could I have changed direction then and ended up in a better place? And now I am changing direction, but it's a lot harder to change direction after you've fallen in the ditch, right? So those are things that I have now learned I need to do every so often is step back and look at my life. What am I doing? And where are my behaviors and actions and habits? Where are they leading me? So, for example, I mentioned earlier, I want to get be in better shape. Okay, well, am I at least exercising consistently? Maybe I'm not doing anything great right now. Maybe I can't do anything great right now. But am I at least trying to make sure that three to four times a week I'm doing yoga? Am I trying to make sure that at least one to two times a week I'm doing a 20-minute workout? Or a 10-minute workout, or as as much as I can do that week. Because at least, even if all I'm doing is crawling when it comes to my fitness, at least I'm crawling in the right direction. So it might take longer than I want it to, but I will end up in a better place if I can maintain my direction. Same thing goes with my diet. If I consistently eat bad food, I end up sick without fail. And I forget it when I'm feeling healthy. And then I'm sick. I'm like, oh no, I've got to go back. And it's all this work. And so I even think about that with my career. Am I taking time to learn on my own? I'd love to go back to school. I'd love to get my doctorate one day. But in the meantime, am I making it a point to read good books? Like, you know, like read, yes, read. But also, am I reading good books? Am I reading books that are inspiring me? to learn and to grow? What am I feeding myself with? Am I, how much TV am I watching? How much time am I spending playing video games? And I'm not against video games. I love them. I'm not against watching TV shows and movies. I love that too. But am I balancing it with engaging in the behaviors that will get me where I want to go in life? And maybe I won't get there tomorrow, but am I at least on the right path? All right, friends, so we're going to stop here. Uh, I'm going to try to come back next week with some more quotes from Lao Tzu. But for now, it is time for your next adventure. I'll miss you.